Yeah, who knew in the year of our Lord, 2023, that it would be so difficult to connect over the internet? Yeah, I was uh, in the meeting and then it was like, I was like, I guess Brad's running late. And then it was like, the host has kicked you out of the meeting. And I was like, what? It was, it was for all the, it was for all the hot takes you were about to, uh, I mean, yeah, I was, I was just hanging out. I don't think, you know, you hadn't even, you hadn't even gotten to the part where you like, I don't know, talk smack about, I don't know, Dave. Yeah. That's nice. You know, one good thing about, uh, you getting married and like basically new years is that we're not going to have to worry about, uh, randomly forgetting or not forgetting. He didn't forget randomly, uh, on a July night that it's like, Oh, sorry. Whoops. My anniversary dinner. Mm-hmm. Bye guys. Yeah, mine's basically just like a New Year's thing. Yeah, although I guess maybe we could record that close to New Year's. You know, we should totally record with champagne and and such, and just like see what happens. Mm-hmm. We would all get sure. fired. <laughs> fired. <laughs> Self fired. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like um, it's like when you self report uh, uh, recruiting violations in in order to get a slap on the wrist. That's mm-hmm. what that would be like. CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 19th. We are back, uh, caught up with time, back in time. Um, want to thank again, even Brennan, for coming on the show, quote unquote, last week to discuss um, all kinds of things related to college basketball and Virginia's um, program specifically as well. Uh, thought that really came out well. Um, really would have uh, really appreciated him coming on. Probably looking forward to going to have a chance to maybe bring him back at some point down the road. Um, you know, maybe once we're closer to the season or maybe even once the season has started and talk a little bit more about sort of where things are for the who's and, and what I really do believe is going to be a very interesting season. Um, well, let's see. So as you might have guessed from the intro, um, we are riding with a, uh, I guess, uh, two thirds of the of the crew tonight. Even though we're sort of back on our regular schedule, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody for this evening. Everybody is one editor in chief, Justin Ferber in Charlottesville. How's it going, my dude? Good. Did I have a false start? I think I said something during your. Uh... You you made like a noise, but it wasn't like bad. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll I'll go back. And it was like to a, it. I was watching the football thing on or the quarterback thing on Netflix. So it's kind of like just a check at the line. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I got you that. never know if those are real or not. Sometimes they're just dummy. Signals, Omaha. So. Yeah, that's that was it pretty much. So at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter at who days on Twitter as well. Ha, look at you throw it in there for Dave. Cavs I mean, Ross, you know, family plugs. That's how we do it. <laughs> Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items and the occasional one banter. We are also on. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do this every week, but I do find it hilarious that we're at this moment of time that like I have like five different places I have to post stuff every morning. It's funny. All right. We are on Twitter. We are on Mastodon. We are on Blue Sky and we are on Threads. So basically, 
uh, all of the the social networks that are vying for your attention. Um, the main ones. Fr- we, we're Friendster? Not, <laughs> MySpace? Uh, we are not on post. I, I, I had somebody re- ask me about that. I did try to sign up for it, and then like um, it just became apparent to me that that probably wasn't going to be the move. Um, I'm pretty sure that at the end of the day, either the carcass of Twitter will survive and be a thing, um, or threads will win. Um, I don't think the others. Blue Sky is, yeah. is weird. Because Threads has like the backing of Facebook and Meta or whatever. So like yeah. I feel like they have the best chance. Well, um, it's got so many. Somebody's going to usurp Twitter. But yeah, it's got so Twitter many, will probably like, be the thing for a while until something happens. Yeah, I feel like it's got the Threads has the benefit of not only being, you know, having that power of the infrastructure, but it's also like the safer place for people. Like, I think everybody who's leaving Twitter is hoping to just land someplace where it's like not like it's easy to get in the door. And, it, you know, Facebook Meta. Instagram made that super easy to do. They've got some things they got to do that app because otherwise, I mean, like it's just like, it's really difficult to like pay attention to the people you're actually following. But no, I mean, that one's definitely got the chance, but until, until such time as this whole thing gets sorted out, um, I'm going to continue, continue to, we also can be found on calvescorner.com. That's true. Yes. What a great website. Um, yes. Calvescorner.com. Your, uh, one-stop shop for all things, uh, crazy. Um, all right, let's uh, before we get too deep into this. Listen, it's the off season. Uh, countdown to camp pieces have started to roll out. Um, we're not going to go too deep into the previewing water. Um, the ACC media days in Charlotte are next week. Um, that's really when the when the things start to churn. Although Ferber has been started starting to work through their position groups uh, for the um, the countdown. Um, although the other day it was counting, which I still don't understand how that happened. I don't know how I missed that it was counting and not countdown, but I digress. Before we get too focused on football, though, Ferber, I do want to take one step back. Um, we Christian Bliss committed, um, you know, at least made it public. Um, before we recorded our last episode, uh, but we had already kind of had plans for what we wanted to do with that episode. Mm. Um, so I thought maybe, um, maybe it would be a good idea for us to kind of discuss that commitment um what it means for uva and kind of just talk a little bit about that before we jumped into the um, preseason football of it all i personally think that he seems like you know i I feel like casey morsell has has uh ruined me from saying things like seems like a perfect fit um not to say that casey ever was not a perfect fit but you know, when you say things like that, it sort of just makes people think like it's going to be there for the long haul. And um, obviously for, for, for that situation, Casey very happy uh, in his new stop and wish him well beyond that though. I do think Christian bliss looks like a really good fit and a really nice take um, at a position of need. And certainly um, at an important position, what are your general thoughts before we dig too deep into it? What are your general thoughts on land and bliss? I mean, it's a it's a good example of them just kind of getting a guy on grounds, like you know, against some pretty robust competition. Um, especially when you consider, I mean, like Villanova always is tough to beat, and then Miami is even tougher to beat with all the stuff that you know nil related that they have going on. Um, so I mean, I and, and Xavier obviously is kind of a program trending in the right direction, probably from a recruiting standpoint. Um, how they're getting there, you know, that's a different question. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think solid get. Obviously, he's been playing well of late on the AAU circuit. Um, seems like a pretty versatile player, uh, a guy with a lot of upside. Um, you know, I think that's he's a guy that UVA sort of identified, would you say, like in the spring? I mean, obviously, they were 
identified him before that, but like, it really felt like in the spring, you started to hear his name a lot more. Um, and it felt like he was sort of zeroing in on what he was looking at and UVA was zeroing in on him. Um, kind of reminded me of the Gertrude recruitment a little bit, you know, where it's like, you start to hear the name UVA's in the mix, UVA gets a visit, things are looking good commitment, not long after. Right. And that's sort of the recipe for UVA to get guys of this caliber is you get them on grounds and, you know, you try to win soon after um, what we've seen, you know, when things go the other way, it's like they get them on grounds. It seems like they did a good job. The recruit decides to let things play out and then like Duke offers or Kansas offers or whatever. And <laughs> things can kind of get away from you, but UVA did a good job of kind of locking this one down and we can kind of, I guess, I don't know how much you want to talk about like where he slots into the program, but um, yeah, obviously like a, a good fit for the program. It seems like from what I've seen and yeah. he continues to play well. I mean, he just played well at the peach jam. So, yeah. I mean, um, he made the, he made the all tournament team um, down there, which is, listen, I, it, this is, this is an interesting um, sort of spot because on the one hand, you're exactly right. Like this felt like a very, you know, UVA commitment where you have a guy um, UVA is interested in, um, talks well of them. Um, they're going to take a visit. They take a visit. Um, and then shortly thereafter, the the rumbling sort of start. It reminded me, you mentioned Gertrude, it reminded me of Reese's uh, commitment because it kind of was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to say it was out of the blue, but it was kind of out of the blue when he, not like, I mean, he obviously was very interested in UVA, but like when he was going to commit, it was like everybody suddenly knew, oh yeah, this is happening. And Did he do the, it at top 100 or was I think it like he, right yeah, after? I think he was, yeah, I think yeah. he was there if memory serves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's one of those deals where, you know, Tony and staff like to do this where they were, they, they identify a guy early and they really go for the clothes. And I think mm-hmm. Tone getting really involved in this one helps seal it. I think also too, like if you think about his skill set, six four, like right under two hundred pounds, somewhere in that ballpark, you know, he's he's he looks and he sort of moves like a a little bit more athletic Ty Jerome to me. Um, got a better first step, um, maybe a little bit more of a balance in his drive. Um, not quite as good with like at this point of like finding the different release points as Ty was just tricky that way. Like he didn't have a you know he had a floater, but that floater where he released that ball you know, it was really dependent on whatever the situation was, whoever the rim protector was or who was guarding him or whatever. Um, I also think he's, a, um, I, ha- I feel like I haven't seen enough of him in terms of his shot to really get a sense of like yeah. where he's going to project to on that front. But I think he has he's like interesting at, mechanics, but right. it seems to go in a decent amount of time. Yeah. Same as, I mean, Ty's mechanics aren't like exactly. That's, that's kind of, I think natural. that's maybe where my, where my, um, where that comparison really started is like physically, in terms of his um, mobility, um, you know, he's a, he, like I said, he's a touch more athletic. He's good at getting himself into the lane and using his body and being under control. I think that's a that's a really sort of un um, an unsung, uh, unheralded sort of skill. A lot of guys can are quick enough to get into the lane. A lot of guys are good enough to get to the rim once they are there. But getting through traffic sometimes, you know, that can be problematic. And I feel like guys like you know, Ty guys like bliss, you know, they're very good at being able to whatever contact they take or wherever their body is, they can still manage to get themselves to a spot where they can release the ball and still have a pretty good chance of scoring. Um, the other thing about this, and look, I don't think that's a, it's a secret at this point that there's a very real chance that he comes early. Um, now full disclosure, um, we're not in a position to like 
quote unquote, like announce something here tonight. Like we, we got nothing official, you know, we don't have a, a known time frame or anything like that, but there's been enough, um, put it to you like this. There's been enough smoke out there to understand that there's a fire to it. Now, there are lots of things that can happen when, um, a guy is thinking about graduating earlier, coming earlier. Right. I mean, that's, 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 uh, there's a logistical piece of this. It certainly feels like from talking to various folks and, you know, there's been plenty of rumblings about it, um, that it was something that was in the plans. Now, is that continuing to be, um, we haven't been able to sort of get that firm answer yet as to if, or when, or when in terms of the date time, that kind of stuff. At least for now, I think we could we should consider him to still be part of the twenty four class and understand that there's a very real chance. I'm not. I don't. I think at this point, I'm I'm not quite going as far as to say likelihood, simply because, you know, we're what a week out or so from Peach Jam now, and that hasn't been announced yet. And in typically, if that you know, in that kind of situation, usually what's happened is that there's been um, a reason for that, right? Um, not like any. You know, I don't want folks to like think there's like reason for concern, but sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit of time to get things ironed out and all that fun stuff. So for now, 24, um, door not shut on 23, although time whatever is you ticking. say, Brad, time is, time is a ticking. Um, in terms of the way, what it means for UVA is one, you know, it's a really nice piece at a position where you needed a, a good, a, a good fit. And it allows Tony and company to really sort of, sort of build around. Do, is there a specific guy that you look at on the landscape, then we'll, we'll stick with 24 because I don't think it's a good idea at this point to start trying to like pick out 25s. Um, but is there a guy in 24? You've, you know, if you want to say con, you can say con. Um, but is there a guy in 24 yeah. you think really fits well with him? Um, or do you feel like he's so well-rounded that like basically they can put anybody with him? Yeah. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy that it feels to me like he could play the one or the two. Right. I mean, I'm not talking out of school there, right? I mean, no, I don't think so. I think that's, I think it's, I think it's safe to say he could, yeah, he could be a little ball off balls or like a receiving. Uh, Now, I mean, they're not the same player, but same kind of deal where you can have some versatility. I think that's good. I mean, I think that makes it easier for you to figure out like find guys that fit rather than being like, we got to get a one, you know, to fit with this guy, or we have to get a two to fit with this guy. Now you can just go out and, you know, like find players that are good enough to play here and have the right skill set. Right. Um, you know, I, it's, in terms of like pairing him with somebody, I mean, Con would obviously be great. You know, he's a scorer, um, a different kind of player, you know? So I think that there's some counterbalance there. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about the roster, right? Like, you know, even if, if bliss comes, this year, you know, you would think he's probably redshirt, right? I mean, that's well, I think, yeah, I think that it, that's, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, I, I think that's a ironclad sort of thing in this situation, yeah. Um, and so then and you're I, building for the future with right. your backcourt and you have Gertrude already, right? And then, you know, you would think you'd have Rody for a couple more years, and then, you know, Ryan Dunn, like, he's a kind of guy that. Yeah. If things go well for him, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. he's gone. Yeah, like, it's one of those. Um, he's got that athleticism that 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 GMs are going to like really sort of uh, drool over. I, I think one thing about the draft and I and I, I want to caution folks. Next time you get a chance, go out and look at the dudes that did not get drafted this past year. Right. I have I have never been more uncertain over like who will or won't get drafted um, who comes early 
Because sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, that guy absolutely was a pro. And you can just see it. And it just happens. And then you see guys that you know eventually should be pros. They go early. And it just doesn't. And like, there's only but so many picks, right? And yet at the same time. I think the time, NBA teams have just figured out like only like 11 guys from a draft are going to really make a difference. Right. So yeah. they just throw darts at like traits. And what's weird is that then you have a handful of guys who you're like, why did they go early? And then you see them, they get drafted, and they do well, and you're like, oh, well, that's why he went early, right? It's like so, they haven't hit their ceiling yet, a lot yeah, of them. It's like the I, dude, uh, Patrick Williams from Florida yes, State. I don't know yeah. exactly what he's doing in the NBA, but he went like third or something. Yeah, he was, was like, yeah, he, he doesn't even in, start for his college team. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, he, uh, but it's, you know, he's the guy that he's pure. He was like 18 or yeah. 19 or whatever. So it's like traits, you know, yeah. you're just hoping that he peaks at 24. And also, too, like I feel like NBA teams used to really be and I'm not saying they're not necessarily into youth. I think that it used to be a a real like plus in your category that, mm-hmm. you know, you were young and that way they could, you know, you still had a lot of, you know, a lot of miles left on the tire, so to speak. Right. But now it's certainly and I'm not saying like they're trending toward taking seniors, um, but they really don't they don't put as much of a value on that as much as they do other parts of the um, especially the measurables right so Dunn is an interesting care an interesting um, case study because I could absolutely see him developing this this and this pairing that with athleticism and just wowing people and at yeah. the same time I could totally see him just not being able to do it for a little bit longer so but you, you know that's a really good point though from a from a roster succession standpoint you know, having him or not having him. I guess that's one of the benefits that Leon Bond is a similar player in some ways. Yeah, I right? was thinking that too. I was, um, you know, it's because like, you, you do have you don't necessarily have to there. replace him if you have right. him. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I also think that the reason I asked that question too is like, I'm kind of interested in the in the possibility of pairing Bliss and, and Chance Mallory together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are an interesting sort of one too. And it feels very much like, you know, Ty and, and Kihei, right? Now, I do think, uh, and folks who haven't watched um, clips with on Mallory do that because he's a he's a powerful little dude. Um, I, I feel like there are there going to be similarities. Like people are are going to make those comparisons, and you know, you're going to see the similarities, right? Um, but their games are not necessarily like that one to one. I feel like coming in, Chance is a a little bit better leaper. You know, off the floor, um, and I feel like that athleticism, and and certainly I feel like he's a more powerful guy. Like he's, I think he's, you know, Kihei certainly got there later in his career, but but I do think he's a little bit different. He's not quite, um, he's not like Chris Likes, where Likes was like, Likes was like, um, that's a really good title, but I can't use it. He was like a an A plus 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 athlete. He just happened to be doing it in a five foot seven dude's body. Yeah, he's just really you know? really small. And, um, but I mean, there's been a rash of these like smaller point guards who are sort of good at getting into the lane and getting to the cup. Um, and I mean, frankly, like, you know, as many, as many layups as UVA missed last season, I don't really care as long as dudes can make layups. Um, but anyway, so that back to the actual discussion at hand. So I feel like Mallory is an interesting, um, piece and, and I think he makes even more sense when you know, you've got Christian bliss. Now the trick then is you got to get, I think you got to get a shooter, right? You have to have mm-hmm. somebody to go with them and Hey, Khan is, I'm not even trying to say that kid's last name. Um, Khan is, um, I feel like it's gotta be like Knipple, right? I think it's got, that's what it's gotta be. Yeah. Um, but I haven't actually heard him say it and that's, you know. I'm not going to be in a Kafaro Kaf- uh, the, the, 
the move for me always is like find some YouTube video where some random dude is like interviewing him on the court. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're here with a 2024, you know, but um, as, 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 as Poppy taught us, they won't always correct. Sometimes somebody. they get it wrong. Yeah. Dude. I legitimately, I'm used to like legitimately say to recruits, can you say your name for me? Like it's mm-hmm. in, then like leave it on the recorder just in case I ever had any doubt, but mm-hmm. I digress. Um, so I think in 24, the, the picture will be a lot clearer, um, you know, real soon. We'll know whether or not bliss is coming in part as part of 23. If not, um, I don't think the, I really don't think that changes much because I think their plan would be to redshirt him and therefore, you yeah, know, it's, it's really it's more just about, the benefit for him getting the like, right exactly like it gets him a lot ready to make a big uh, contribution next season as opposed to you know worrying about minutes this season. Um, anything else on the basketball front before we move over uh, to football? No, I mean like non conference schedule came out. We we kind of knew all the games. Um, I think it's interesting. A lot of uh, a lot of HBCUs, which usually, I mean, like they're usually just historically those two leagues, the MIAC and the SWAC, have like some pretty bad like Ken Palm numbers um, and net numbers. So like that can draw like drag things down. So you almost hope that like Texas A and M or Memphis or both or West Virginia or whoever end up being pretty good, and then you can get a nice even if you get a loss, like just balances out. You're not non-conference strength. The schedule matters. Um, so I think, you know, you, you don't want to have a, like it's hurt teams in the past on the bubble. So hopefully UVA won't be on the bubble, you know, cause they'll be safely in, but it, it's an interesting slate of games for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, let's move over to football. I want to start with Jay Wolfolk. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that it was a surprise to anybody. Um, any sort of kid who's playing two sports, I, I think the overwhelming likelihood of that kid eventually choosing one of those sports um, is real. And I don't think, um, especially when it's a baseball football situation, it feels like more often than not kids are going to choose baseball because that is the the one that seems like the 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 um, more likely path to the professional ranks, right? Um, so, but I do want to start by sort of posing the question to you: Were you? surprised that Jay decided to to hang up the, the football cleats and focus on baseball? Or was it more about sort of the timing of it that surprised you? Or maybe even given what we saw last season, uh, was it a surprise altogether? Uh, no, nah, not a surprise. Um, I mean, I didn't know. I, I thought it was possible that maybe he would go through this season and then like really decide. Because then you're going into a spring where it's like, you know, if it, let's say Musket wins the job and plays decently well and it doesn't seem like jay is like next man up and and, i mean like honestly like i think wolfolk probably would have been pushed by calandria um for the backup job right like even if you know assuming that musket won the job um but i think ultimately we all kind of knew that it was gonna go this way it just was win right and um it makes sense i mean like the only path for him to play like professional football would be he wins a starting job and then basically has just based on his size and skill set and everything, he would basically have to like blow up, you know, he'd have to not just start, but like be really, really good at his size to like make it to the NFL as a quarterback. Um, and you know, maybe that, or maybe he could have switched positions, I guess, but baseball, I mean, like he's already sort of on the radar. He was on the USA team, you know, over the summer. So, um, I think like maybe and maybe like you could make a case that he would have been better at baseball this year if he didn't play football at all in the spring. Like, I don't think that's fair to him necessarily, but 
Um, we're going to see like if that extra time helps, you know, when baseball season comes around, but ultimately not a huge surprise. And I think like, I've seen a lot of people doing some like hand wringing, like, Oh, how could they like the football staff let this happen or whatever. And it's like, one, it's his choice, right? Like they're, they don't have to recruit him to play football. Like he has to make that decision. And two, do you really think that they haven't considered that this could happen? <laughs> you know? Um, so, I mean, like, I think their quarterback depth is a little precarious, um, but if you're on to your third quarterback, it, it probably doesn't really matter how good your depth is at that point. Um, you know, cause things have gone awry. So, uh, you hope that everybody stays healthy and, and that Jay, you know, can kind of get his baseball career headed in the right direction. And, you know, Dave has pointed this out and Dave's not here, but I know that he would, uh, if he was here, he would say, you know, Jay could always come back to football later. Um, as other guys like Drew Henson have done in the past where, you know, you go play baseball and if it doesn't work out, you still have your football eligibility. So you can play quarterback at 26 or whatever. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing like people do it. So, right. um, you know, I think the quarterback, I want to say like North Texas or somewhere recently was like 27 years old and he threw for like 5,000 yards. Um, cause he's playing against 19 year olds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, we we said this on the pod, but like it's Musket's job, right? Yeah, like it, right. I, I, Wolf Oak, you can say it's a competition, but like unless Tony was like really bad, it was headed towards him being the starter. They brought yeah. him in to start, like so. Yeah, now I, think, I mean, now we don't have to pretend. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of these deals where this makes the most sense for the most people, right? Tony had come in, played the spring. Did a did a well enough job, even if people have quibbles or whatever, did well enough that you had to expect he was going to be the starter, especially considering Jay did not have a full spring. Um, I, I think the fact that you if you watch the baseball games and it, it wasn't so much just what he you know, what he was actually doing when he got in the game. It was the way the announcers talked about it. Like it, it, it sounded like and I mean, just reading between the lines, it felt to me like Oak wasn't really happy with the sort of setup last year in the spring or this past year, I mean, in the spring where, you know, he was, um, moonlighting, you know, he he was trying to do both. And, and there's, you know, certainly it, it came across to me that the opinion on that side of the fence was that if he had focused on baseball earlier, it would have been better for his development. And, you know, I think that given what we've seen, you know, from the postseason on, it made sense. Um, it made sense from the football side because, listen, real talk. If you thought the guy was going to be the starter, he probably would not have hung up the cleats. I mean, if we're just going to call the spade a spade, that's not typically how this works. Every once in a while, yes, you get a two sport guy and he focuses on one sport, Charlie Ward, and he's also just absolutely fin- fantastic at the other sport. Um, but more often than not, they focus on the one that's not just the one that like is the best path to the professional ranks, but also the one that they feel like the most confident in those two things are related. Right. So it made sense to me that he decided to, to leave. I thought though, that the, given the situation of, of UVA's quarterback room, I mean, I understand from his own personal sort of development and certainly the way, um, you know, those folks inside baseball and there, I don't mean necessarily just like UVA's program. I'm talking about, you know, the greater sort of basketball world or excuse me, baseball world. Um, it, it certainly felt like to me that it's in his best interest to be in with both feet, right? That comes across. Yeah. 
Um, and it probably was the right time for him personally to make that declaration so it was clear to people. Having said that, UVA's quarterback depth is kind of shaky, right? They're like, you know, a hit or two here from, you know, being in some real tough spots. Um, now, I know for folks who who saw Calandria in the spring and stuff, you know, hey, there's talent there. But I, I think they they – it's I mean, certain, even that is pretty tenuous. Exactly. I mean, he's a true freshman. You're exactly. I mean, and he's like, pretty yeah, small, you know, like, even if some, he's ready. Mentally. Yeah, exactly. Just because you got some talent doesn't necessarily mean it's the talent you want to necessarily use right now. Right. And um, with Wolfolk not in that room, it does really kind of get a little bit, you know, a little bit um, scary. And I'm not look, I'm not trying to freak you out. As UV football fans, you got plenty. Of, there's plenty of real reasons to be concerned, right? Um, but I'm just saying, like the depth does give me a little bit of uh, heartburn, um, and it would have been nice to have had Wolfolk. Now that being said, again, if you know it's in his best interest, yes, I think we all, you know, those those uh, realities are, are right there in front of us. The other thing is, like, if that's where his heart is, that's what he should be doing, right? And I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, because I think, you know, if that's the decision he made, then that was the decision he needed to make, right? Because you, that, the last thing you want, especially that position, is to have somebody who is trying to figure out if they want to stick with it or not. And clearly, you know, his future is is in baseball. And um, I, I don't think that – I don't think that the, um, the time of the two-sport athlete is necessarily over, over. But man, it does feel real daunting. Just the idea of having a guy who wants to play both. I think that's one of those things that what you do is you essentially you try it from the start and then you sort of let them sort of self-select. Um, I mean, I, I learned a lot just from like kind of covering it and right. like listening to what he said and like Taylor Lamb said and you know about just like how much goes into it and like how much it probably. I mean, like, I'm sure they were happy to do it and like nobody's trying to like make Jay quit baseball or anything, but I'm sure the football staff was like, man, we're really like having to kind of bend over backwards to make and this they, work. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And then also like ba- baseball is like, all right, like, you know, hopefully he doesn't like trip over his legs while he takes a snap, you know, today and then tears the Achilles. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. But I mean, I think ultimately he knows just like we do, like, man, like I'm one snap away from being in the football games. Um as he as he learned, you know, yeah. But at the same time, I think maybe it's like, what's the upside there versus the upside in baseball? Completely and, agree. Yeah, I got no, and, I got no qualms yeah. with it for sure. Um, I will miss the Bo Jackson. Um, yeah, I mean that was a that cool was thing, and and I think it was kind of a, um, I think it was something like a positive for Tony Elliott. Honestly, like in his you know win column <laughs> that he was willing and able to sort of make this work the best way they could. Um, Cause like Jay especially gave him a lot of like um, credit. I remember talking to him in camp last year and he was like, a lot of coaches were like, would not have let me do this. Um, so, I mean, I think he, he deserves some credit for like making it yeah, work. Agreed. Um, yeah. Whereas like, I don't know, like I'm not trying to like throw Bronco under the bus, but like, I don't know how this would have played <laughs> out with Bronco. Right. Cause like Bronco quit before Jay even played baseball. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I had, it's funny you say that because I had a similar thought. Cause I was like, Bronco, like the, like the, like, cause you know, for folks who may not be aware, like when Jay would go to practice in the spring, he had not just like a certain number of like time, he had a certain number of absolute throws he can make. 
Mm-hmm. Right. The only times he could throw a football, he had a certain number. He, and practice. most days he was blacked out completely. If and he most could days, pitch, exactly. he could not throw. Yeah. Exactly. And so, like, I can't imagine somebody coming to Bronco and being like, you got a quarterback who can't throw. Not even a time. Wait, <laughs> a healthy kid? Like, what? I just, Bronco's head probably would explode. Um, so we talked a little about sort of the quarterback situation. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's certainly an in musket we trust sort of. Um, in musket we trust it. <laughs> wow. Uh, that would be a good title, but I'm never going to use it. Um, <laughs> but but I but I appreciate the uh, I appreciate you just like throwing that out there. That's one of those things you wouldn't say if Dave was on the podcast. Y'all get real quiet a lot when it, when when you're both here. When it's just one of you, you get very chatty. I like it. I like when you're you're just like throwing stuff out there. It seems the cat licks it up. I'm I'm talking for two. <laughs> That's good. There you go. Talking for two. Writing that one down. There you go. Um, but no, so. We understand the quarterback situation. It's it's Tony Musket's job, and um, you know we'll we'll find out here soon. Um, you know what that really means. You also wrote about the running backs and the cornerbacks, which are, I mean, listen, you could. This is one of those rare Virginia seasons where you feel like there's a lot of different position groups that are just like really interesting to to track. Um, and this is going to be more and more the case with transfers, right? Absolutely, like, you're absolutely right. That's a really good point. You don't know, like I mean, like you would think, like. 10 years ago, we would have looked at like the cornerback room and be like, man, this is going to be bad. Or like, they're going to have some struggles because they just don't bring any, they don't bring their two guys back. But it's like, you don't know the portal. Like you can hit on a couple guys and be just as good. Uh, dude, I am so glad you said that because that reminded me, I was driving, what was this? Like two days ago. And I was thinking about, um, I, okay, walk with me here. Like, I'm not saying that predictive models are bogus. Okay. But so much of like what the computers and what the numbers say is based on like past returning like, production. Exactly. And like so much is like, I don't know if anybody out there like plays any of those like weird, uh, like on your phone or whatever, like the Royal match or um, there's like a whole bunch of games where you like move a thing, you know, candy crush all this stuff. Right. But there's always like a button, like when that, what happens when there's like no matches, it just like magically moves. Cause just, it just knows. Right. And it just shuffles them up. Like, it feels like in college sports now, like, there's so much, like, shuffling around, right? Like, all of a sudden, boom, all the pieces are in different places. And I'm not saying that there aren't models out there that are accounting for this, because there certainly are, right? But, like, when you see, you know, national media types, like, doing, like, a thing about, like, oh, in the ACC last year, you know, Virginia was the only team that did this. And then you're like, oh, man, that really sucks, because the two guys who did that are gone, well, you don't necessarily know, one, who are the guys that got in to replace them. And two, in past years, losing that production, not having that back, was a significant hurdle for most programs. Very few teams were going to go out there, have a dude who's going to step right in as a starter and just be ready to go. Right? Yeah, because you just could be order. like, if that guy is so good, the guy that's on the bench, like, why didn't he play? Exactly. Like, well, of course. If with, with, now it's like the dude that play, is playing played at Northwestern. Exactly. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Rudd. I mean, in fairness to Rosinski, though, like he took some dudes who didn't play and made them look really good right out of the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But no, your point's well taken. Like, you know, it, in the past, not having those guys would have been, you know, you would have looked at the, at the paper and you go, oh, man, they have like nobody coming back. Right. And now it's like, well, you don't know what to until you see what the transfers are going to do. And that's not to say that they're all they're not all going to hit. Some of them are not. Right. But you don't know which ones it is. So it, you're right. It's like in the transfer portal era, 
each season, there's going to be position groups, and most of them are going to be like, you're not really sure exactly what you're going to get. Now, certainly there are going to be times um, where you do have some returning guys, where you do have some some dudes who, who are back and who are, um, you know, like Virginia's defensive line, for example, right? You probably have a pretty good idea. You have a pretty what, good idea of what that is. Like, they're what not going to get be. way, way right. better, and they're not going to be way, way worse. It's like And that's good, be because you need are. some pieces like, like that. But you, like, you can look at the running back room, and you can say, okay, what part of the reason I don't know like what they're going to be is because we just haven't seen breakout guys from this group. Yeah. You can look at it and say like they have a lot of talent, talent they added through the portal, ta- talent they added through traditional recruiting, talent that has developed in the program. You look at the cornerbacks and you're like there's definitely a lot of reason to think that somebody's going to emerge. You just don't know one necessarily who that's going to be, two to what degree they're going to emerge. Are they going to be as good as the two guys they had last year, are they going to be, um, you know, pretty decent but not great? Like, you know, there's a lot of like room for for dudes to sort of settle in, and I find that really. I, th- I think the the fact that you've done those positions, those are along with wide receiver, probably the ones that are just the most um, intriguing to me. I feel like I, you could say that every year about the offensive line. It feels like. Um, and certainly there's a new position coach there, so that's an interesting one. But, man, between running back, cornerback, and wide out, I mean, it is just very um, – the storylines and such, right, all the things that are involved are just really, um, you know, sort of interesting to to try to track. Yeah. I, I think, like, receiver is a good example of a group that um, – so like I mean we'll we can just talk about it. So like David Hale on Twitter works for ESPN. He like every year he does, and it's I always think it's interesting because you kind of like it's honestly like a a preview of the league in a sense. He ranks the position groups like across the league one through fourteen. Um, and he I mean obviously he's a human being. He's not just using a computer to come up with it. Like he's looking at who's back transfers, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, and he's had UVA pretty low or at the bottom in a lot of categories. And I think in fairness to him, I get it. Like if you look at the quarterbacks in the ACC, like Tony Musket, an FCS transfer, and then no, basically like a true freshman backup that almost has to be at the, or near the bottom, even Absolutely. if you're bullish on him, which I think he, I don't think he's going to be the 14th best quarterback in the league. Um, I don't think he's going to be like the third best, but I think he could easily <laughs> be like middle of the road. Right. Um, and you know, but a lot of that's going to depend on what's around him, right? And um, I think that's what like David's taken into his into account. But like receivers, he has UVA at the bottom, which if you look at what they have, I th- you can make the case. You know, like uh, Malachi Fields, I think we're all pretty high on, right? Like he has very little production, and and that's not his fault necessarily. But he was behind a bunch of good players, and then he was hurt. So right. like. To the outside world, he's an unknown commodity. Like David Hill's not at practice. Like he doesn't right. know. Right. Um yeah. J.R. Wilson had like one okay game, you know, when he got forced into action and then he had a decent spring game. I think he could end up being pretty good, but like that's an unknown. Demik Starling has like all the speed in the world, but we haven't really seen him put it together. Put it together. Right. Exactly. Um, and then you have Malik Washington, who's like a pretty good transfer. Um, but not, you know, he's not Peter Warwick. Like, you know, um, so like, you know, I, excellent I can pull see, by you, by the way, to I mean, yeah, Peter work probably the best ether. Wow. I, I think he might be the best college receiver I've seen like that. I can remember like for another team. I mean, obviously Mike Williams. Urban USC Moore, what the was, hell? 
Yeah. Just... And then like obviously Larry Fitzgerald was like super, super consistent. Gosh, he was you so know? good. Yeah. Um and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, you're forgetting it. you're forgetting everybody. Just it's yeah. okay. Don't because yeah. then you'll get all the 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 reply guys. You'll be like, Hey, why didn't you mention so and so? Calvin Johnson. Yeah, right. yeah, it's another one. Mal- but Peter Work was right up there. I mean, like he was really, really good. He, he really was. It felt like he changed games, you know. Peter um, Work was one of those wide receivers who just implanted himself like in your brain, you know? Like he implanted- But what you need to know is that he's not on this UVA team. Correct. Um although so- if he wants to come back, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you know we're more than happy to try to make that work. Left. Yeah. Um even at like 40 or whatever. Percy um, Harvin. Oh my god. Percy Harvin. Yeah. Sorry. Solid. I'm Lance just thinking Townsend. of like random wide receiver names. Yeah, exactly. Y'all yeah, don't know this, this, but every once in a while, Ferber and Dave and I will just randomly text the name of a recruit either UVA did or didn't get from like years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And that that just that this is like that a version of that game, which is like just think of the most random wide receivers you can, you know? Yeah. Oh, my Plexico gosh. There, right. Can we get to the sliding doors of what would have happened if Drake London had chosen UVA? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my God. Uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah, um, you would have had a Jay Wolfolk situation. Yeah, you, you would have, although it would have been very interesting because he would have been very good at both. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like that room, you can be like, hey, this room's going to be better than people realize. And that's okay. Like you figure that out in time. Like, yeah, it's just like nobody was really, I don't think people were really high on UVA's receivers going into 2021. Correct. I mean, Wicks, Wicks was out for the season in, in, uh, 2019, right? Or 2020. 2020. 2020. Yeah. In yeah. 2019, he didn't really play much. Um, Lavelle Davis uh, was hurt in 2021. So, like, he was out. Yeah, Wicks coming back. You knew you were going to be Wicks coming Davis. back. Yeah. Kemp was kind of like a, like a you know, middle-of-the-road guy. And then you had, like, Keaton, who was, like, you know, a slash player. And Jelani Woods, who, looking back, was like, man, what a huge piece. But, like, we didn't know he was going to be that good until he got there. Like remember he, right, he had he, no production at yeah. at Oklahoma State. Yeah, but he was see, um, okay. He's a perfect example, right? Because a lot of these transfer kids, they're in a situation where it just hasn't worked out, right? Mm-hmm. For whatever he's reason, not playing. You like, know, yeah. guys just not seeing the field, right? Maybe he was hurt, and somebody else got those uh, got those reps. Maybe there's a a coaching change or a scheme change, or you know, he they thought he was going to be this, but he's really that. Mm-hmm. Jelani's like the perfect example of like you cannot look at a guy's past stats and try to project what they're going to do because that was the perfect player for the perfect team in the perfect. Scenario. I mean, I remember as soon as we started seeing clips of him, like in camp and stuff, we were like, all right. Like, yeah, well, this guy's going to be this good. guy's not going to be like a nobody. And um, and what's funny about it, though, dude, is that like so many people like look at rosters and try to do that sort of game of making the connections between like what's now and what would have been, or excuse me, what would, what possibly could be based on what was. And this is one of the the benefits. I'm not, I'm swear to God, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. Um, But like folks who actually pay attention to those specific teams, they're going to have a much better understanding of each room of each group than national media types who they literally like, and I'm not, not throwing shade here. I'm just being real. Like what they're doing a lot of times is they're looking at, the paper and they're seeing okay so virginia's got this tight end who's going to fill in um where tony um God, what was tony's Old last John. name um yeah where he was right and he's a similar type of body but like he did not have the kind of production but he had like eight career catches you know he just did not play like i don't know <laughs> yeah. what this is about and they would never have expected that he would not only have was he going to be like a very good player right 
but like he was a central part of one of the best and offensive like the seasons. second round in the draft. Exactly. Like what a third round, second round, whatever. Nobody in July, nobody at ACC Media Day was talking about Jelani Woods, right? And I feel like we should Same call for like, like a Malachi this year, right? Or correct. Or somebody yeah, like the that. Jelani it's Woods like we, we kind of know they could break out, but like. Correct. I mean, if you were like, if, if UVA fans are like some tight end is going to break out, I would be like, I don't know. <laughs> Just because like, <laughs> because like, I don't know that they have that guy this year. But, um, but like they have some guys, uh, same with the running back position. I understand why people would kind of like not think much of the group because nobody in the group has really broken out. Right. right. Like nobody yeah. has the numbers to back up like, oh man, this guy's going to dominate. Um, but like Kobe Pace has had success at Clemson, right? He played at Clemson. Right. Um, Cody Brown is a four-star recruit. Uh, Xavier Brown seems to be really fast, and maybe he puts it together. And then you have Mike Hollins, who is clearly talented, but you know has had to split carries at best. Like he's never really been the guy. Uh, Paris Jones is sort of like a, I would say almost like a third down back. Um, and then you have a couple friends. So like I can see how you could be like all right well this group like i don't really see anything that stands out to me um but that doesn't mean that they can't overachieve um you know so we'll see but then also you might have a group like uva's offensive lines another one where it's like i don't think there's a world where they're elite like i mean that's no shade to any of the guys or or half any coach half like but you know, like they, they just have so much in flux that it'd be hard to imagine them just randomly being like, you know, the Alabama offensive line or something like Georgia. Um, but maybe they can be okay. Or maybe they're bad. Like we don't, we haven't seen, you know, but you have Jimmy Chris, you have Brian Stevens, you have Nanana from uh, Houston. Um and then you maybe get more out of a guy like Mikhail Boley than you did last year. And then maybe you, all, you have like a functional offensive line, right? Um, yeah. We just don't, I mean, I, it, it sounds like a cop out, but that's how you, that, I mean, that's why every year now we're going to see teams that overshoot the mark. Um, like significantly teams with like over under wins of like four are going to win eight games, 10 games, because they're just going to have, they're going to hit in the transfer portal. And then they're just going to like, everything's going to click. And then you're going to probably have some teams where it's like, they're going to take a big step back because they didn't hit, you know? Yeah. Um, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I also think that like, um, you know, I'm not saying that, <clears throat> I'm not saying that, um, that you can look at a roster and always sort of pick out, um, a guy who's going to be a breakout. But a lot of times the guys who break out, it, they make sense. Right. Usually they didn't come completely out of the blue. For example, like um, during the COVID season, the reason I was so high on Lavelle was because I heard people talk about like he was really showing well in practice. And that told Same me two Wicks. things like we knew. Exactly. Yeah. And that told me two things. One, the guy's getting reps. And if he's getting reps as a true freshman in camp, like they already have seen it, then he's doing enough on the field to earn it, which means he's going to be in the game. All right. And two, like. That at that time, UVA's defensive backfield was not exactly the most robust in terms of production and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, like he was doing it with like this, that would have been the time when that specific player, that specific position should not be doing that, right? He's still getting used to routes and like whatever. So there was a physicality to it that, and I then there that was a COVID camp, so that was probably like really, oh, weird. yeah, right. 
and he yeah, blew nobody up. saw and it so, either they, they kind of kept them off the radar because nobody saw camp exactly so it's one of those things where it's like a lot of these guys who have really standout seasons out of nowhere you look back and you go it wasn't completely out of nowhere um I, so I'm not saying that there's a guy on the roster that I'm like looking at right now. I'm like, yep, this dude's going to break out. But if you told me like Xavier Brown is going to be the guy, it, I, it wouldn't surprise me, right? Because he's flashed. Um, and I think that's what the hard part about UVA and this team is like they've got just enough pieces to make you think that like if they if they did X, Y, and Z, um, things could really come together. The problem with that, of course, is that like, you know, it goes back to our whole conversation for years about explosive plays, right? It's a whole lot harder to put to together 75, 80 yard drives when there's 10, 11, 12 plays than there is when there's three or four, right? Um, you need you need big plays to consistently put points on the board because doing it the long way is difficult. There's too many places to screw up. When you have so many question marks on your team, when you have so many different groups that you need, you know, when you need these specific cards to on the flop so you can actually, you know, get the hands you need, that's tough to do. So they might put it together at this position and that position, this one, but they don't yeah. quite hit it here, here, and here. And that's enough for that thing. You know, we talk about margin of error a lot. I feel like in 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 this current era of sports, right? That margin for error for them is like so thin that it's it's not going to take much for them to to fall off real and and fall off fast. And I feel like that's going to be um, certainly something to keep track of as we get into the season. I mean, that's the whole thing for this team right now. To me, is like when we talk about like what we think they're going to be, is that they. Can de- I think they're like any po- you can talk me into any position group like exceeding the expectations or you know exceeding the bar set. Um, the problem is, are you almost like for this team to be good, you need like all of them to do that because yeah, the bar you, you is pretty low so for all of the groups, right? And you need so it to like, happen so consistently that you're just like the part of your brain goes, yeah, but can that really? It's like how could they? Are they really going to hit on the transfer quarterback and figure out the and, like which running back is going to be good and get a and, bunch of like unknown receivers to be good and an offensive line that was pretty like meh last year at best right. and that and then they added a bunch of transfers who may or may not be good. Are they really going to hit on cornerback again? Right? Like, are they going to replace Nick Jackson's exactly. production? Yep. Like yeah. Um, now, I will say on the defensive side, field goals, you know, (laughs) I do um, think on the defensive side, because I'm not as worried about the defense, yeah, because of not just the the guys they have coming back, um, but also to Rudd and his group, they in like they garnered so much respect, I think, from so many people, myself included, because of what they did last year. That I'm not saying that it's that that they're gonna have another Cypress uh, Johnson sort of situation. But if they did, it wouldn't surprise me because they've literally just done it, right? Um, I think those kids are talented, right? Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I also think that, like, they're, the staff is pretty good at being able to get guys. They've shown they can get guys ready. Now, maybe this season it'll be a, a total reversal, and we'll look back at last year and think it was a fluke. Um, but for right now, they've earned the benefit of the doubt, so I'm going to give it to them. And they've got enough pieces, I think, especially because their front – is is so experienced it's like the it's it's like the opposite of so many other positions right they've got so much talent and experience back um up front um that that it you know you can kind of you can sort of see the the sort of pieces sort of already fall into place for the defense the offense is the you know it's going to be the thing that people talk about all year and i saw you know i saw a lot of folks um you know looking at uh, or, or sort of talking about like 
expectations recently. I, you know, that we're almost into that, you know, expectations season, right? Where you get media days and then there's, you know, preseason votes and there's a predicted order of finishes and stuff. And so like prognostications are fun and all, but like, I just feel like it's impossible with this team to predict much of anything other than most everybody's going to be unhappy. Right. Because let's be real. Let's, you know, we're 50 minutes into this thing. I feel like there are a lot of folks out there who, if Virginia did well, uh, would be very excited, but they, uh, there's at least some portion of them that would be kind of almost like weirdly disappointed um, and the reason I say is because I feel like for a lot of folks, like the first year under Tony left a lot to be desired. And I feel like there's a, a you know, a, you know, a not insignificant portion of the fan base. that just was never really sure what to do with the hire. Never really got on board last year. Certainly the way last year went on the field, didn't leave a lot of places to be super excited. The offense I think is the place, you know, even if Virginia had success this season, um, you know, won a bunch of games. If they did it defensively, I don't think that's going to be enough for some folks. I feel like they need to see good offense again because Tony is an offensive coordinator turned head coach. He's somebody who came at a time when Virginia did have a record-setting quarterback who was returning to school. You talk, you know, Tony talked about him being, you know, his biggest recruit, and it just went really, really badly, right? Um, I feel like the offense really does need to win some people over this year. Um, beyond the win-loss record, beyond anything else. I feel like you, you really need a proof of concept um, for folks. I think reasonable fans, too, would settle for, like, average. Oh, Not for even sure. Like, no, yeah, for don't, sure. You don't have to score 32 points Ew, a game. for sure. Yeah. You can't totally score 17. Like, you got to get into the 20s. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, there, I think even if you uh, – the thing that I think was missing last year is that they never even once kind of like clicked into place and were like, this is the game where they finally figured it all out. Like we were kind of wondering if that was going to happen at, you know, like around the Syracuse game. It was like, all right, are they going to go to Duke and like, is it all going to come together? Are they going to play against Malik Cunningham-less Louisville and have it all come together? And it just never did. Right. Um, I mean, North Carolina, they scored 28, but – like but this North that Carolina. almost felt like fluky. And also Carolina had like the worst defense in the world. Um, so felt like it should I mean, be more. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I give them credit for that performance, but you know, that was sort of, if that was the wa- high watermark, like that's not going to be good enough. Um, and this year it's like, you just look at the schedule and it's hard to imagine them winning a bunch of games, like, you know, 17, 14, um, and, you know, I think even if the defense is pretty good, like giving up like in, in modern college football, you're going to give up like 21 points a game, yeah. like at least. Yeah. So if you're scoring 20, like you're screwed, <laughs> you know, so um, <laughs> not not great, Bob. No pun intended. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you, I, I think, you know, we, we were we had we kind of toyed with the idea of having a conversation about like, what do they need to do this year? to put Tony in a situation where he's not like in an extreme hot seat situation next year or whatever. Um, and honestly, I think you, you nailed it. It's like, even if they go four and eight, if they look like they are improving, right. Like I'm not going to call for it. You yeah. know, like if they and, lose, a, they lose a bunch of shootouts. I think there's a part, there's a part of me that's going to be like, all right, great. You know? Or even like yo-yo around where it's like, man, yeah. they were really, they had like a rough game against Maryland, but they pulled it together and like beat NC state or like took, you know, whoever to overtime or whatever, you know, just show me something like, yeah. give me some proof that things are kind of like headed towards competency, you know, and 
people will forget about last year if you just kind of, you know, do that this year. Give them a reason to. Yeah, no. And I also feel like on some level, you know, like, how do I, how do I put this into words? Competency at being average, yo-yoing around, like those are just staples of new coaching, no new coaching situations, right? Regime change just begets that kind of thing. I think for fans, it's always hard to accept that you needed to re you needed a rebuild, right? Because in, in some instances, it's very obvious, right? You go two and 10 for four years. Yeah. You need to rebuild that thing. Mm-hmm. Tony came in and I think started talking about sort of doing things differently. It's the culture, this and that. And I think a lot of people bristled understandably so because they didn't think that the old one was bad. Right. But in terms of a talent situation, certainly in terms of like making the thing as he wants to make it from a, um, from schematic standpoint, from a, um, you know, sort of flow of, of talent sort of standpoint, like you, maybe you needed a rebuild and you didn't think you did. Um, I also feel like, you know, the truth is, is that like most everybody's probably like half a skip away from being pretty bad. Right. Like if you look at it, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's what people don't realize that like with college football and, and basketball to some extent, but definitely football. Like, yeah. Cause like the Duke difference between, between like a four and eight team and like an eight and four team is like, is not few, that big. Yes. A few small differences. Or it could be big differences, but like, Correct. but yeah, like I think the Duke thing is a good example. Yeah. Duke is like, the perfect. They game. went eight and four, but they're probably more like a six and six. Yeah. They, but the they had a few is, things they were, go their they way. were competent on yes. the way to eight and four. And I think that's what gives people and like inspires people to be like, this was a good hire. Yeah. Um, and what's wild too, is it like you really, I mean, we've talked about this for the last few years, right? It we, we talked about like UVA's defense. Like you didn't need to do that much more, right? That the the returns you would get by raising the bar a little bit would be so great compared to like, you know, what you might think the bar would need to move. Because even when you just get to about average, right? Even when you get to like you, you know, you mentioned competent, right? Like sometimes in college football, that's enough to win you a significant number of yeah. games. I think that two thousand seven UVA team is that Yep, they, they went nine and three, and it's like they were like barely above average, but they were just above average enough to where they could like sneak out a bunch of games. Yeah, and um, they won a lot of like you know the bounces. They won a bunch of way. twenty to seventeens and seventeen sixteens. You know. Yep. Um, so I feel like um, you know when we look back on this season, I'm I'm going to be really interested to sort of see you know not just like who did what and how, but like narratively. Like, how do people respond as it's going? Because, you know, you mentioned sort of the, the yo-yoing around. I think consistency is probably the thing that I'm looking for the most, right? Um, I, I want to see, one, you've got new coaches on the offensive side of the ball, right? You replaced the two holdovers from the previous staff. Um, how, how does that work out, right? Um, certainly you're, you're, you're plugged into the quarterback situation. Certainly you're plugged into, you know, the offensive line in general beyond – the, the coaching side of it. Um, but big picture for me, and I, I don't think I'm alone in this. Like, I just really want to see, I want to see the places or see the ways rather that you can tell that, that Tony is in a better spot for the season. And what I mean by that is I think last year he was a former coordinator who didn't have, like I think a lot of coordinators who become head coaches sort of fall in this trap of like, they're so used to being so involved in so much stuff going into, and especially on game day that when they no longer have that, they're not really sure like what it is they're supposed to be doing. 
And you can watch somebody do that. But like, let's be real. If Tony Elliott is over here calling plays, right? And he's actually putting the offense together and he's calling, you know, he's doing that and he's working on that during the week. Is he really able to pay much attention to what Dabo Sweeney is doing? No, he's, he's so in engrossed in like what he's doing. Understandably. So he's not paying attention to all, you know, it's like he's, he's not like the guy's shadow, right? He's, he's working with him. So yes, he sees some of it, but he doesn't know like what Dabo is doing in the middle of whatever, while he's over there calling the play. Right. So I think for a lot of coaches in that situation, coordinators turned head coaches, you, you have to get a sense of like what you're supposed to do. Um, Cause that's, there's not like a manual that comes like when you become a head coach is like, okay, on third and seven, when you don't want to get super involved in the play call, this is what you should be doing. Right. And so I think he was probably a lot of situations where he sort of inserted himself. Yeah. That makes total sense to me. I want to see I, some of that change this year. And I think like as a t- as like a, a head coach, you kind of, you think like they're going to meet you where you are because mm-hmm. that's how you just envision it going. Right. Like everybody's like that. They're like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to give the, you know, uh, Jim Valvano speech or whatever. <laughs> and like, I don't know. And then you're like, all of a sudden the team's just going to jump up and like die for you. The music's going to roar and the crowd's going to cheat. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, yeah, I got And you. it's like, yeah. it's really more about like, all right, these it's, it's not a business per se, but like, <laughs> The guys are like, all right, like I'm here to do, you know, well, I mean, we, we talk about Mike London, like I think he inspired a lot of people until it got to a point where they just kind of were like, all right. Like, yeah, eyes glaze over, man. They do eventually. Yeah, I mean, like they went really quickly from like, we're all in on this to like kind of making fun of it almost. Yeah, <laughs> like, there was there was definitely um, a place of like run to the roar that turned real quick, real fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, they're not you're not always going to be able to like bring out that inspiration in people. No, sometimes it's got to be, uh, it's got to come from somewhere different. It's got to be like an earned thing that comes with like, you have to demonstrate that you know what you're doing and then we're going to get in, you know, and that might not be fair to a guy that won the Broyles award. He clearly knows something. You know? Yeah, no, that's right. Um, fair. Yeah. But at the same point, like, you know, I think we'll see how it goes this year where you have maybe more guys that the guys that are playing for him this year are choosing to to be here, you know, yeah, whereas like last year it was more, there were definitely some dudes who were very like, or it was know, like, okay, I'll play for role. this guy. Like, that's cool. But like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just kind of here. So, um, or like I, you know, he sold me, but he hasn't shown me anything yet because we haven't had a spring right? You know, like Brennan. Um, so I also, we'll we'll last thing on this is like, I mean, look, Tony is an offensive coach. And even though he's not calling this offense, his inability for the the inability of the offense to score points and and find consistency ultimately is that's on him. His feet. It's yeah. not it's not just on his feet at his feet because he's the head coach, but it's also like you're supposed to know what this what good looks like, right? You're supposed to know how it how it's made. You should be able if, to fix it if, if you're like, right, hey, exactly. wait a second, guys, like uh, this is wrong. Like you should be able to just fix it. And exactly, you should be able to fix it, or you should you should be able to see. That whatever you've either whatever the decisions were made in the install in the play call whatever or in personnel like you got to be on, on on top of that so yeah that's the that's same with like we you know we put a lot like I, to fairly on Bronco for what was going on with the defense agreed like, because it was like he knows defense he's called defense yeah for he, years yeah exactly it's not like he if, was if watching he, this he, thing and it was so good. he's either cool with this right. and is like it's. <laughs> Fine, or he's being like, I'm not gonna meddle. It's not my job. It's like, yeah. man, that's too literal. Like you're like taking the job responsibilities too literally. Um, like 
Nick Howell is your guy. Like you should be able to go in there and be like, Hey man, maybe like, <laughs> you know, switch it up a little bit or something. I just love the idea um, of Bronco. I'm also your boss. So like I, I, you have to listen to me. Like basically, you know, you said um, that and I got this mental image of Bronco walking in the room to talk to Nick Howell. I was like, Hey man, I just, I don't know. Yeah. It was the Hey man sounded like, you know, super. Well, it's like, uh, you know, I've been around, I've called defenses. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like a lot of times coaches get, they get too involved and then yeah. it becomes that. I mean, that's part of the problem. Like, but I think if you take the CEO thing too literally and you're like, Nope, I hire the guy and he does the job. Like, Nope. Like I can tell you from the corporate world, like nobody that doesn't, nobody does. Like that, if I'm yeah. doing a bad job and my boss did my job before me, he's not going to just be like, well, I don't have any advice for you. <laughs> like, you know, man, it really, it, it really looks like you're not doing your job. Well, good luck. No, that's yeah. not how that conversation goes. All right, yeah. let's get you out here on this last. I, I, I think I thought of a fun one earlier, and I think I think we should do it. Um, and now's a good time. All right, so for folks out there, Ferber probably loves hype the least of anybody I've ever known, maybe with a, an exception or two. Um, like Ferber's not a hype person. Like he gets he, his eyes glaze over really. I'm excited to see where this is going. <laughs> see, but. All right. In my in my defense, normally lately when I started going off the beaten path, um, you know, things it works out, you know, and you guys mm-hmm. are afterwards. You're like, oh, that was actually fun. All right. So I'm very curious as somebody who admittedly does not really, you know, hype is not your jam. Right. Is there a storyline, a player um, or whatever in the ACC this year that you're already tired of hearing about? Is what's the mm. what's the thing so far that you're like, oh, and your eyes just roll and you can't even help it? Because my bet is there's a there's a couple in there that you're already. Because I mean, like, if I'm starting to be like, okay, really with the Drake May stuff already, like I'm not. Saying I mean, the there not there good, are but, there are some where I'm like, well, that guy's just good, so like I'm not gonna fight the storyline. Right, know? fair, yeah. Well, that I, I think like I, I want to be like that get a little Drake carried May, away with stuff sometimes, though. Yeah. Um, the Drake May thing right now is like, I listen, he's really really good. I'm not trying to say he's not good. I'm just saying that like everything doesn't necessarily have to be about him. There are mm-hmm. other potential storylines in the league, right? Um, and I'm not saying like if you're writing a piece about like a preview that's like holistic about the league, yeah, you absolutely are going to spend a lot of time talking about that kid because he's really freaking good, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make it seem like they, you know, hey, look, he's he's a Heisman candidate, but let's not talk about him. Like that's not my point. I think it's just like, on some level, it's it's just like okay, we get it, you know. And I'm not again, I'm not trying to say that he doesn't deserve the attention, or that if you're talking to you know about the league, you're not going to talk about it. You are, but there's a lot of stuff elsewhere in the league that you can talk about. That's not just yeah. Drake May, and I feel like it's it's like such the low hanging fruit. That's that was one of the things that drove it. Is like the other day I saw something else about Drake May, and I'm like, am I really going to have to like see that kid's name? Like, the thing is, I got everywhere? bad news for you because. <laughs> See, now the NFL draft machine is going to get involved. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and that's, that, yeah, that that's takes true. it up to a different level where now it's like, you know, they're talking about him on like NFL countdown and stuff like, you know, it's like, it's yeah. just too far. And then you have like, they're cutting a Todd McShay's big board in the, you know, in the first drive of the game. And you'll just have to deal with all that. Do you think Florida State's going to actually be good this year? I think they should be. I, I, think I, they, I looked at their schedule, though. I mean, they play LSU right out of the gate. Like, it, they could be like a good team that wins like nine games or something. Yeah, I agree but, with that. I I would not be surprised though if they actually put it together this season. Um, I really, I, I, think, I really liked them toward the end of last year. I think this is kind of like a maybe a little bit of a stretch. 
and I think it doesn't have anything to do with on field stuff, but I think, um, so right now Virginia tech has a lot of recruiting momentum because they've, they've been recruiting well, like there's no doubt you can't really say to anything to the contrary, but I think people are like, okay, well clearly they have things headed in the right direction. Um, I think that might be a little premature, uh, just because like, show me on the football field, right? Like we saw Mike London, like have a four and eight season and recruit well. And everybody was like, see, like, you know, it's going to take a while, but like, he's got the guys and it's like, that's true. But like, it never really turned the corner. Um, and you don't really like, if you are winning and recruiting now for 2024, that doesn't pay off for you on the football field, at least until 2025, usually, unless you're getting a bunch of like five stars. Um, and even then those guys don't always like make a huge impact right away. Um, it's not basketball. So let's just wait and see what happens. Cause if they're bad again, like, I don't think, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to continue to sell on the recruiting show. And I'm not trying to take away anything from what they've done in recruiting. Cause clearly they're doing a much uh, better job this year. And like they're, they're doing well in state and the, whatever they're doing is working, but that doesn't mean it's going to work on the football field. Um, so I think people like trying to correlate those two things, maybe getting a little ahead of themselves, but that's mostly just tech fans. I think, um, I don't think like the media is like, Oh, Brent Pry, like, you know, has figured they haven't kind of gotten there yet. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I, I think also like people are like Riley Leonard's really good. And I'm like, yeah, he's good. But like, I don't, I, I feel like he's a, like his reputation's a little elevated, like just from what I've seen from him. So you know, that's, that's just, my yeah, opinion. he clearly my, was very efficient last year, but like, I wasn't like, not, wow, this dude's just dropping Leonard dimes guy, all over the field. Yeah. Like, I, I'm much higher, I think on, on him than, than you are. Um, I don't part, think he's think, bad or anything. It's no, just, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. he's fine. Like, you know, I think there was a, there was a time period last year where <laughs> I was like, is he better than Drake May? And then I was like, okay, no, he's not. Um, no, I think, you know, to me, Florida state is a, is an interesting squad. Um, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent there. I feel like they're probably going to be pretty good. Tech is interesting because yeah, there's a lot of people I think who are sort of wish casting a little bit Um, and they're not, they don't have like on field expectations. Like their, their win total is going to be low. Yeah. I think Um, they're, they're looking at the recruiting success and thinking like, okay, this is going to turn into something. It's like, clearly he's competent because he's getting recruits and it's like, well, well, (laughs) yeah, that's, you know. You know, been there. I have a lot of other. I have, you know, tell that to Jeremy Pruitt. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. Um, Not the text cheating. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Um. (laughs) All right. I think that's a good place to put a pen in it. Um, Hopefully, we'll have the crew all back together uh, next week. Um, And I mean, heck, we don't have that much longer until we do a. No, I mean, next week is like the last. Next week is ACC media stuff. And then. I think camp opens on the second, so yeah. two weeks from today. Yep. Be here before we know it. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And make sure you check us out at CavsCorner.com. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Ferber for giving graciously of his time. As always, I very much appreciate all that he does for the website. So, for Justin Ferber, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Great audio. Point guard?
Yeah, hold on. Just get just 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 sit this one out. Let me let me let me be the one to tell you. The funny thing is, people listening are like, it's no, this no, we're we're absolutely cutting this out. There's no chance that this is going to be in the thing. This is not making the show. This is just Did you not just Sam Howell yourself. What? <laughs> Pick the wrong school or something? No, no, I didn't. I swear I didn't. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Hold on. Chris likes. Chris likes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Chris likes. Yeah. Yeah. Pulled it in two seconds. Yep. Chris <laughs> likes. Uh, who played at Arkansas his last year? That's right. Yeah. Okay. See, I that's I was thinking. I, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, because he was at Miami first, and then he went to then he went to Arkansas. Yeah, he finished at Arkansas. Oh, yep. 